This is Communications Officer Jim Minns and welcome to the PSA CPSU New South Wales podcast on a special episode. The PSA CPSU New South Wales Conference 2021 has just wrapped up this week and it was an amazing opportunity to have delegates together again after COVID-19 placed a two-year pause on our annual event. A reinvigorated PSA with a newly elected executive got straight to work raising the issues and concerns facing our members over the coming months. There is much to do, but the direction we need to take has never been more clear. Capping off our second day was a poignant and focused speech at our annual conference dinner by Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese. Listen as he outlines the challenges ahead for workers, union members and the Australian people, along with his vision for what Australia can achieve with a government that cares and has empathy for the people that put it there. Please make him welcome. Our next PM. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging. I also uh, very much thank uh, the PSA and Stuart uh, for the invite to, to come here. I'm here for two reasons. Chris Cruden. can't really say no to Chris, can you? <laughs> Chris Cruden said to me a few years ago, she was just coming to the PSA just for a little short period of time. I think it was, I think it was a couple of months. She's still bloody well here. <laughs> now, I'm pleased to be with you tonight because Union has built this country. Yeah. And trade unionists and working people got us through the pandemic. A really tough year in 2020 and PSA members were very much a part of that. Being a public servant is an honourable profession. I happen to be a public servant as well as the way that I regard being a politician. And the truth is that the reason why it's so important is because of the power of government, the power of the public sector to make lives better whether it be looking after people who are in corrective services, whether it be people in health, whether it be people in the community services sector, people in education and TAFE, people providing that service delivery on the ground. And in our system, state public servants are about that. Your job is essentially to make lives better and to make a difference for people. And I thank you for that. And over the recent period, uh, you have made an extraordinary difference, whether it be uh, through uh, the bushfires, for example, very soon after I became leader of the Australian Labor Party. Uh, the work that occurred in terms of in the RFS, the work that occurred in national parks, in the aftermath, the people who were taking the triple O calls, the people who were looking after community services, making a difference, at the same time, as the bloke I opposed went missing, went missing in action when it really, really counted. And his repost during all of that, I don't hold a hose, mate. This is the Prime Minister of the country during a national crisis who is prepared to just say basically it was not his problem. Meanwhile, on the ground, people were doing it tough. There's still people 
in this great state of New South Wales who lost their homes who were staying in caravans. And uh, of course we know uh, that, can I say this during the next election campaign, no one's ever been forced to shake my hand. <laughs> And now, when we're in a different crisis, he says that it's not a race. It's an extraordinary statement to make, that it's not a race when the rest of the world is out there understanding, and Australians understand, uh, that indeed it is a race. For people with loved ones in aged care, it's a race. For people who have friends and family with disabilities, it's a race for people who are working in aged care, in disability care, in other frontline services. It absolutely is a race. And yet what we have from the leader of the country is this view that you can just uh, sit back and, and not be in a rush because it was all under control. We were told that we were at the front of the queue we know we're not in the top 100, not in the top 100 nations when it comes to the rollout of the vaccine. As of earlier this week, we're on 2%. Two out of every 100 Australians were fully vaccinated. We know that not long ago, out of the uh, some uh, more than 20,000 uh, people with disabilities, who were in uh, home care, uh, we know that under a thousand of those had been vaccinated. We know that we were told that four million Australians would be vaccinated by the end of March. It's perhaps uh, no accident that the day after the end of March is April 1. <laughs> <laughs> because for this bloke, for this bloke, we're still not at four million now, in June. He said for workers, the aged care workers, they were going to establish 13 centres where people could go to get vaccinated. There's three, all of them are in New South Wales. There's none in anywhere else. Three out of 13, and we were told April, May, that that would occur. We were told everyone in category 1A, Aged care, disability and their workers would be done by Easter. Now, Easter changes its dates, we understand that. <laughs> but uh, as, uh, a, 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 as a good St Mary's Cathedral boy, I know it's never in June. <laughs> I know it's never in June. But it gets worse because during all of this, Scott Morrison, day after day, and I've come straight from Canberra here tonight, uh, says that it's all okay. And that when we raise these questions, which in a democracy it is our role to do, he says that he's fighting the pandemic and we're just fighting him. Well, the truth is that last year, there has never been a more responsible opposition than what the Australian Labor Party under my leadership undertook. We chose, even where we disagreed with legislation. 
even where we disagreed with legislation, we announced before the debate that we would move amendments, but if we weren't successful, we would not stand in the way. We would not allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good, and that we needed to take action. That without that, it is vulnerable people, working people, who would suffer. So we put the national interest before short-term political interest. And because of that, I've got to say, I'd be surprised if there wasn't someone at the PSA who'd sledged us uh, from time to time on social media and said, why aren't you going crazy over some of these things? Because we put the national interest first. Very different to the way that they behaved during the global financial crisis. Very different. Where they voted against every single stimulus package that we put forward. When we put forward the idea of wage subsidies that became JobKeeper, Scott Morrison described it as a dangerous idea, quote unquote. They opposed it. It was only when the Centrelink queues went around blocks that they changed their mind. And it's something that's a defining characteristic of this government. There's a few. One is, he's never responsible. It's always the states that are to blame, well, the Labor states that are to blame, but always happy to take credit for the action of states when they do things that have kept Australians safe, like closed borders. There's always a gap between what he announces and what he actually delivers. When you look at what he actually delivers, it's always far less. And with a long-term government after eight long years, that'll catch up with him during the next campaign. And the third characteristic is he only ever acts at the last minute under enormous political pressure. He never leads. So circumstances that should be a blip become a crisis. And the latest example of that is in Victoria, our Victorian friends who are under lockdown at the moment Two days ago, he was opposed to providing any support to our Victorian colleagues. Why? Because they have a Labor government. It's as simple as that. Does anyone think that an outbreak that began in South Australia, that if that person had have travelled to New South Wales rather than Victoria, they wouldn't have been provided with support? That's not national leadership. He only decided to move today because of the enormous pressure, because there's a national cabinet so-called meeting being held tomorrow. So we have a real opportunity to essentially remove this barnacle getting in the way of action from our ballast. Because the fact is that this country is crying out for proper leadership. It's crying out for a government that's prepared to represent working people. The budget that was handed down three weeks ago that had $100 billion of new spending, had a trillion dollars of debt and no plan to pay it back, red ink for 10 years, that did not leave a legacy 
Labor governments don't always get it right, but we always try. We actually reform things. The last government during the GFC changed the way the infrastructure investment's happening in this country. We introduced paid parental leave. We improved... <laughs> we improved uh, our infrastructure in every single one of our schools. We apologise to the stolen generations. We took action on climate change. They got rid of the policy that we had in place on climate change and ever since they've had energy policy dysentery. They've had 22 policies. It just passes through and they move on to the next one. But you not only have Scott Morrison there as the Prime Minister, hoping that Australians are goldfish, trying to get through the next news cycle, making 180-degree turns uh, on a regular basis, just changing his view on things as he did today on support for Victoria. We have a health minister who said you can just wait for the next vaccine and then wonders why vaccination rates don't go up. You have an aged care minister who's mastered the art of sleeping with his eyes open. <laughs> but th th this bloke, who did not know, could not answer the question of how many people had died on his watch in aged care, this week, this week said he was comfortable with the rollout of the vaccine in aged care facilities said he was comfortable with it. I'll say this about this government, though they do have a sense of humour. They appointed Sophie Mirabella to the Fair Work Commission. So I think that uh, in, the next, uh, in the next few months, whenever the election is, um, I hope that you talk to your co-workers, uh, you talk to your community, because there's a lot at stake. The, a government that has no legacy to point to after three terms is not going to get better in their fourth term. They've actually lost so much of the people, regardless of what you might think of them, the Turnbulls, the Bishops, the Pines, the Cormans. They've lost their A team and they're left with their Z team. <laughs> and that really shows and they're led by a bloke who got away with the last election campaign because no one thought he could win and he wasn't held to account. And it's always more difficult for Labor. Imagine if Labor produced a budget like that with a trillion dollars of debt without any explanation whatsoever about a path back to surplus. Beneath uh, this, uh, this bloke, beneath his his caps and his confected persona. Uh, we have a task to explain to the Australian people, and I'll be doing it, but I'm here tonight to ask for your help to do it as well. Beneath the, sh the shark's uh, merchandise that 
like his latest core belief always looks like it's just been taken out of its packaging. <laughs> A bloke who not only changed teams, he changed codes. He'd never been to a rugby league game in his life before he, um, before he became the member for Cook. And the biggest weakness I think that's clearly there and it's shown during the pandemic and it was shown during the bushfires. Um, as Chris knows, I can be a bit of a sook. Um, completely. And, uh, you know, I can be a bit emotional half Italian, half Irish, hard not to be. Um, but this bloke has no empathy. At the end of the day, if you want to lead a country, you've got to care about people. And this bloke cares about one person. And I'll conclude with this about my view of the world and why I'm here and why I do what I do. Government is there to redistribute power. Without government, without the state, power, economic and social power is entrenched to those who already have it. It becomes more concentrated. Simple as that. The role of the state and in intervention in government is to use the power of the state with public servants as the servants of redistributing that economic and social power so that we produce a better society. Because a more equal society is a better society, is a more cohesive society. It's one also that creates opportunity so that the son of a single mum on an invalid pension in a public housing estate in Camperdown can stand before you and say, I want to be the Prime Minister. And that is what the Labor Party is about. <laughs> but for the Coalition, it's about entrenching existing power relationships. They're always strong against the weak, but they're weak against the strong. And we've seen an example of that just in the last brief period, whereby JobKeeper, a worthy thing, wage subsidies, if you're the big end of town, one of the big corporations that have done pretty well and you've increased your profits, you get to keep JobKeeper. Even if it's gone straight to dividends and straight to your bottom line. The richest people in Australia have done very well during the last year while other Australians have suffered. But they say you can keep it. And you compare that with robo-debt, where if you're some of the most vulnerable people who've got a hundred bucks that you mightn't have been entitled to because your circumstances have changed, you had a Minister of the Crown saying, quote, we will hunt you down and you will go to jail. And that to me says it all about this government. And it is the task of the entire Labor movement, the industrial wing represented here and the political wing that I'm proud to lead, to actually engage seriously with debate on the ground to convince people 
not to talk pe to people who are already trade unionists, uh, to convince people to join your union, to convince people uh, of why we actually need to do better, of why that redistribution of political, economic and social power in our society benefits everyone. Actually benefits everyone. Because that's how a society grows. That's how we actually provide opportunity for future generations. Unless we have that approach, we'll never address the challenge of climate change. I want to lead a government that makes a difference, not just occupies the space, that very early on recognises First Nations people through the Uluru Statement from the Heart. <laughs> that has an economic policy that's about the economy working for people, not the other way around that has social policy that doesn't leave people behind or hold people back, that has an environmental policy that addresses the opportunity that is there for us to address climate change and to be a renewable energy superpower for the world. That's my vision. I hope you join with me and make a contribution to achieving that because we will be a government of which you will be proud. Thanks very much. This is a weekly podcast and you can subscribe to the PSA CPSU podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jim Minns. Thanks again and you'll hear from us next week.